for, for the remaining four nights of the cruise, what an amazing opportunity that would have been. Sadly, I didn't win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> didn't need the second bedroom, but would have been totally fine. Uh, totally fine with it. It would have been it would have been risky business, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Dancing around. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast. And we have a new guest joining us this week. We are excited. Uh, He reached out and was actually chatting back and forth with me about our Alani trip we took a few months back. Um, And then I found out he was going on a Norwegian Cruise Line cruise. We haven't really had anyone on to do the compare and contrast of Disney Cruise Line with Norwegian. We're also super interested to learn more about Norwegian Cruise Line ourselves because we're taking a Norwegian cruise to Alaska in 2023. And so can't wait to dive into this conversation. But let me start by welcoming Chris to our show. Welcome, Chris. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. And you're our third Chris on the show and uh, not Chris in the concierge lounge, which everyone sort of, I think when I say Chris now, they're like, oh, it's Chris, Chris again. No, this is a new Chris for everyone out there. We're excited to have him on. So Chris, do you want to give folks kind of your, um, since we're going to talk about Norwegian Cruise Line, your cruising background and any experience you've had with Disney Cruise Line? Yeah. So uh, I have been on five cruises in total, all of them on Disney, three times on the Wonder, once on the Magic, and once on the Dream. I've been with family, been with friends. I actually did one solo trip as well. I've been on sort of the uh, Marvel Day at Sea. I've done Halloween on the High Seas and Very Merry Time. So a bunch of different itineraries out here on the West Coast and the Caribbean, and just really enjoy uh, kind of what Disney has to offer on all of their ships. So this was your first experience with Norwegian Cruise Line then? This was, yeah. First experience. I had been sort of researching other cruise lines, uh, you know, Norwegian, Carnival, Royal Caribbean, Princess. A lot of them uh, sail out of here on the West Coast, out of either Los Angeles or San Diego. Um, and so obviously during the, the times that we're in, not having to travel far away, but to be able to have a cruise vacation, I uh, was looking forward to maybe doing something a bit more local. Well, I guess maybe before we before we dive into your specific cruise here, Chris, I'm curious, you said you were sort of looking across at a bunch of different cruise lines. So, you know, what was it about uh, Norwegian or the cruise we're going to talk about tonight that sort of, you know, you said, that's the one I want to do? Yeah. So, I mean, initially, if I, if I rewind, you know, back into December when I started to plan this cruise, my goal was really to go and kind of complete my Grand Slam on Disney. It was to go on a seven-night Star Wars Day at Sea cruise on the Fantasy. There was a perfect itinerary that went to San Juan, Puerto Rico and St. Martin, which were two ports I really wanted to go to. Super excited about that to do that one in mid-January. I think with the onset of Omicron and kind of all of the kind of travel touch points that it would take for me to get from Los Angeles to Florida, I was just worried that I would go through all of that process, show up at the ship and test positive and then not be able to do that. So I really wanted to take as many of those touch points out of that process as possible, which is why I started to focus on sailing out of uh, either San Diego or Los Angeles. What really drew me to Norwegian Cruise Line and, and specifically, I think, this cruise, uh, one was the price. Uh, there are some incredible deals going on uh, out here out of Los Angeles on Princess, on Royal, Carnival. 
Norwegian, just some incredible deals. Also with Norwegian Cruise, they have sort of, they had kind of a bigger package than some of the other cruise lines offered, which was their free at sea package, which included internet and shore excursions and beverage packages and specialty dining. So this really was sort of one of those once in a lifetime kind of cheap cruise deals that you hear about that you really couldn't pass up. So that's really what kind of drove me towards this specific cruise. I also really liked the itinerary, you know, going down to Cabo for the day and being able to hang out there on my last Disney cruise that I went on on the Wonder in October. Due to a hurricane being near Cabo San Lucas, we actually weren't able to go all the way down the peninsula. And so we ended up uh, only going to Ensenada on that cruise. So I really wanted to get down and, and just enjoy some nice warm weather down on the Mexican Riviera. And that's, that's normally basically the same itinerary. Um, so the cruise you took, how many, how many nights was it? And am I right in saying it's, it's basically the same itinerary that Disney's Baja cruise does? That's correct. Yeah. Disney's Baja cruise kind of typically runs either four five or seven night cruises down to Cabo, Puerto Vallarta, Mazatlan and Ensenada, sort of a mixture of that. So the Disney cruise that I took back in October was a four night. It was, it was, you know, just down to Cabo and back. This uh, was a five night cruise on the Norwegian Bliss, and it had a stop in Cabo as well as a stop in Ensenada and then had two sea days. You were talking about searching for the cruise and the sort of the once in a lifetime price here or the package that you could get. I'm just curious, you took a Disney cruise. It was similar. Cost wise, what was the difference in maybe multiples or something like that between this cruise and taking a Disney cruise? Yeah, so the cost between this cruise, which was a five-night cruise, and the Disney cruise I took, which was a four-night cruise, uh, if you look at it, uh, the Disney cruise was about 3x, about three times the cost of doing this Norwegian cruise for one less night. And the Norwegian cruise actually included a bunch of these extra add-ons when you booked the cruise, this free at sea package with the internet, the shore excursion credits, the premium beverage package and the specialty dining. Um, it, it really was a, just an incredible deal. And who went on the sailing with you, Chris? So I went all by myself. I tried as hard as I could to find friends and family that wanted to go on a cruise in the middle of a pandemic with Omicron kind of raging across California. And I had very little luck. I had no luck, actually, um, in finding anyone that actually wanted to go on a cruise uh, with me. That's because but... you didn't call Brian from the DCL duo. <laughs> <laughs> so, so next time, next time, you know who to call. I was, I, I was I, picturing, yes. I was picturing the montage of Chris with the phone up to his ear with the, uh, with the overlay of all by myself. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I should have called you guys. I mean, there was plenty of space left on this cruise ship. Um, I actually booked the cruise two days before we sailed. We sailed on a Sunday. I booked it on a Friday. Was that close? Close in. I was, you know, with with just all of the travel restriction restrictions and with cruising in general just changing so frequently. Um, I booked it, you know, literally just a couple of days before I left. Um, and I watched that kind of week and a half, two weeks before the cruise. I watched the price continue to go down, down, down more and more as we got closer to the sailing. Yeah, definitely not something you see on the Disney Cruise Line side. The price just goes <laughs> no. Up, up, up. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that close in, you could get the Florida resident rate, but yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, but but he's not in Florida. He's in California. Yeah, exactly. No California <laughs> resident rate, unfortunately. 
So Chris, what kind of cabin did you book on board? And I'm curious, traveling solo, you know, on a Disney cruise, you'd have to pay the double occupancy regardless of if you're going yourself or not. Did Norwegian make you pay double occupancy or did they give you a rate for a solo cruiser? Yeah. So the deal that I got actually had a solo cruiser discount included with it. That doesn't always happen on all sailings, but on a lot of sailings right now, a lot of the Norwegian cabins, you're booking into sort of an inside, an ocean view or a balcony uh, stateroom, they will give you a single uh, kind of discount. Uh, so you're not paying sort of double the price like you typically would on a Disney cruise. You're actually just paying for one individual's uh, fare to to be in that particular cabin. The the Norwegian Bliss is a little bit unique on the kind of the the Norwegian uh, line because they actually have single dedicated cabins. They're all inside cabins. Um, so if you are sailing by yourself. Uh, it's about a 99 square foot cabin. Those were available on my sailing as well. Those were actually about $50 cheaper than booking the balcony cabin that I ended up booking. Um, so felt like $50 was definitely well worth it for five nights to have a kind of a nice balcony stateroom to sail in. The, the balcony stateroom itself was about 180 square feet. Um, and they have, you know, kind of these staterooms all throughout the ship. But I uh, was doing some research on some of these kind of uh, deck plan websites. And I found there are two uh, balcony staterooms on deck eight, which go for the same price as any other typical balcony stateroom on the ship, except they have the uh, kind of extended balcony. So it's not your kind of traditional sort of 30 or 40 square foot balcony. This was probably about 100 square feet. And that's really what sold me I'm going on this cruise and on the you know on this particular room it had you know two sun lounge chairs on the balcony as well as a, a table and two chairs um to enjoy sort of breakfast or coffee out there as well so a ton of space inside cabin was the same size as any other balcony cabin on the ship but that balcony was probably 3 times the size at the same exact price So Chris I'm also curious we don't get a ton of west coast cruisers on the show. Uh, and certainly, you know, Disney doesn't sail out of LA. What was it like sailing out of Los Angeles? Like what's the port like? How convenient was it versus not? I'm, I'm just curious about the general experience of sailing out of LA. Yeah. So the, the port of Los Angeles is, is one of the largest ports in the world. It's a, you know, it's where a lot of the, the container ships come and dock there and then offload all of the, the, the containers from, you know, pretty much all around the world that come in there. So it's mostly an, an industrial port. It is not your kind of scenic port like in Miami where you've got the, the skyline and, and just the, the, the beauty and, and nature, certainly like even Port Canaveral um, as well. This is a very industrial port. When I got into my balcony and sort of you know stepped, stepped off and looked across, there was a giant container ship directly across from us that was unloading um, containers. So it's not the most beautiful port to sail out of. Uh, but you're only there for a short amount of time, and then you're you're off on the ocean. From an accessibility standpoint, in Los Angeles, it's very easy uh, to get to. It's right off of one of the major freeways here uh, in Los Angeles, and there is plenty of parking at the port. Multiple cruise lines actually share the particular berths that are there uh, at this port. Carnival is actually in a separate location. Uh, at the port of Los Angeles. Uh, they're actually over kind of on the Long Beach side, but both Royal Caribbean, Princess, um, and Norwegian sail out of this area, and there's plenty of parking. And it's just steps from where you park your car to get into the cruise terminals to go through that process. 
Well, I suppose as you sailed out of port, you were able to wave at everyone's Peloton and Apple computers <laughs> and everything that were that were parked just off just the coast off the of coast. Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you get on board the ship, Chris. Uh, first impressions, you know, the Disney folks have you walk right into this massive atrium and put on a little Mickey Minnie show for you currently. But you know, what's it like boarding the Norwegian cruise line ship? Yeah, it's it is. I mean, the ship is massive. So, you know, in 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 terms of kind of size, it's 168,000 gross tons, uh, which is basically double the size of the Wonder and the Magic, which are kind of the most recent ships that I have been on. And uh, they're about 30% larger than the, the Dream and the Fantasy uh, as well. So, I mean, these are massive cruise ships. You know, unfortunately, there isn't that wow moment where you walk in on deck three and you've got the atrium and you've got Mickey and Minnie kind of doing the the little kind of sail away show for you right there. There isn't that kind of wow moment. Um, you sort of walk into the ship. You're on deck seven, and they basically they've got a few people there, kind of greeting you, saying hi, and then they sort of usher you straight to your muster station to do that quick muster drill to to check in, watch the quick video, and then off you can go. So. You lose a little bit of the magic of stepping on the ship into this giant space, this kind of big wow moment. But once you sort of turn a couple corners and you get into kind of their main atrium areas, it was still a wow moment for me. I mean, this is a this was a ship built in 2018. So it had only been sailing for about a year and a half before the shutdown. It felt new. It felt fresh. It's clean. It felt very upscale. Um, it felt very spacious. All of the public areas. I mean, there is just a lot of room to move around on these ships. It, it is a definitely a different theme and feel from kind of these classic Disney ships, which are definitely designed after kind of classic cruise liners and, and that classic cruise experience. I, I, I it, it really was a wow moment stepping in, uh, you know, onto this ship. How many? I'm curious. You mentioned the the double capacity given the discounts you're getting leading into the cruise. I can only imagine very few people actually showed up for this cruise. So what was, do you have any sense of the numbers on board? Yeah. So I asked about that because I was really curious. Um, and, and and I think just so everyone knows, just in this age of cruising that we're in right now, because they're not, all the ships aren't running at full capacity and they're all not a hundred percent booked, you know, from sailing to sailing, these numbers can change. I had asked, you know, what our sailing number was we had just over 1,050 people on our ship with a capacity of about 4,500. So we were running at about 22% full, which is kind of just unheard of for a giant cruise ship like that. We actually had almost 50% more crew on the ship. There were about 1,600 crew members on the ship from 60 different countries that I learned. So um, you know, almost a one to one and a half ratio from crew to passenger. Uh, on my most recent Disney sailing on the Disney Wonder, you know, that ship holds around, you know, 26, 2700 people. We had just under a thousand people, about 980 or 970. So a very similar amount of people, but double um, the size of the cruise ship. Well, what kinds of things did you get up to on board, Chris? I mean, the hallmark of these cruise ships that aren't Disney is that a lot of them offer a bunch of stuff that Disney just doesn't have right now um, and probably won't have, right? I mean, they're not doing go-karts at sea and, <laughs> and other offerings like that. 
for the time being. So I'm curious, what did you get up to on board and what kinds of unique things were there for you to do that you may not have seen on Disney, aside from the casino, which is obviously unique. Right. That's <laughs> obviously one of the one of the very unique things. Yeah. The, you know, this ship, you know, being built just a couple of years ago had some of the latest and greatest sort of activities and entertainment uh, features on the ship versus sort of other Norwegian cruise line ships and certainly versus, you know, uh, the wonder which I had had just gone on you know, the cruise sort of entertainment staff sort of just killed it all throughout the week. They had, they, we had a traditional sail away party on deck. As we left LA, there was a band out there. There was music. People were dancing. Everyone was really in that, that party mood. The horn was going off. People, it was, it was, I mean, it really sets the tone that, that first night as you kind of start your cruise. It was a lot of fun to just have everyone up on deck, everyone. You know, for the most part, you know, because there were only a thousand people on the ship, people were, you know, relatively spread out. So, you know, we're not all jammed in there together. Um, but being able to do sort of a sail away party or outside, um, that I really, really enjoyed that. Later on in the cruise, one of the nights they did a glow party on deck. So they brought out the black lights, they gave people light up kind of uh, sticks and wands and whatnot and had a big party up on uh, on deck for about an hour with a DJ and tons of dancing you're out there on the pool deck. So that that was fun to get to have those different deck parties. You know, the, the, the crew staff, like I mentioned, I think this was one of the biggest differences between going on Disney during um, this period of time and going on sort of Norwegian and potentially other cruise lines was the activities that are there for families and adults to do. I mean, this was programmed like a normal cruise. There were all of the different game shows the you know, the newlywed, not so newlywed game show. They had the eliminator game show. They had kind of a versus game show, battle of the sexes, the perfect couple. They had all of these different, you know, game shows that were going on. They had karaoke um, on most of the nights um, in one of the, the lounges. Uh, they had trivia multiple times a day all throughout the cruise. Um, and then they had several sessions where uh, they would bring out either officers or sort of sort of the hotel operations staff from the cruise and and sort of how do we run this cruise ship? How does mechanically it work? How do we kind of feed all these people and change all of the rooms over every day? And how do we do all of that? So you, they had a lot of seminars and talks uh, about about actually having you know how to actually run um, a cruise ship. Um, so that was super interesting. Some of the other activities on board. They have, uh, similar to Funnel Vision, they have a giant sort of jumbotron on, on their pool deck. So they had movies out there, mostly in the evening. And then inside the atrium as well on their video wall, they also had movies. So, you know, not uh, all Disney-run movies. They did have Black Widow, which was interesting. But they had like La La Land and the Lego movie and Fast and the Furious. So uh, being able to watch those or sort of pass by those and stay and watch five or ten minutes was, was certainly fun. You know, th these are big mainstream cruise lines. These are, you know, Norwegian specifically, obviously caters, you know, not necessarily always to families, but, you know, uh, a lot to adults. Um, they had art auctions on the ship uh, throughout our sea days, which were kind of fun to participate in if you've never been to an art auction. They had uh, painting classes that you could participate in, sort of uh, kind of going in and sort of a paint by numbers to create uh, a specific portrait, which was which was really cool. They did have your typical sort of kind of bingo that, you know, certainly I've, I've done on Disney Cruise Line. I will say 
this particular uh, cruise, I think because it was such a low capacity sailing, we had some pretty spectacular prizes for bingo. Um, typically, you know, you play three or four games of bingo. You know, the first couple games, you you might win a couple hundred dollars if you're the winner of that particular game. And usually on that final game in the session where you have to sort of cover all of your numbers, what the, the typical, you know, prize at the end is maybe four or five hundred dollars. Um, I know on Disney Cruise Line, if you happen to get you know, if you can get all all your numbers and 47 numbers or less, you might win like $5,000, like some almost impossible jackpot to win. Well, uh, the Norwegian did it a little bit differently for so they played two bingo sessions on this cruise on the two different sea days. The first sea day, uh, they played, you know, we're playing at about three o'clock in the afternoon, the coverall game of bingo, instead of it being kind of a four or $500 prize, the prize was you won an upgrade of your room to a two bedroom Haven Suite. If you don't know what the Haven is, so the Haven is sort of Norwegian's ship within a ship concept. So it has, you know, its own restaurant with both indoor and outdoor dining. It has its own pool area with multiple hot tubs. It has a sun deck area. It has its own lounge. Um, And in all of these suites, they have butler service and sort of these kind of very plush amenities. So this two bedroom suite, you know, it's about a 650 square foot uh, suite that you were going to be upgraded to. You got two bedrooms, two bathrooms, very similar to what a one bedroom kind of concierge suite would be like on the dream or fantasy or, or, you know, or the magic or wonder. That was the grand prize for that particular bingo round. And I was like, for sure. So for 20 or 30 bucks, I might have a chance to upgrade to a suite that would have cost four or five thousand dollars for for the remaining four nights of the cruise. What an amazing opportunity that would have been. Sadly, I didn't win. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask. I was going to say, hey, you know, you were solo, so you wouldn't have really needed that extra bedroom. Didn't need the second but... bedroom, but would have been totally fine. Uh, totally fine with it. It would have been it would have been risky business, you know. Dancing <laughs> <laughs> around, I, I, I would have become probably pretty popular um, around the cruise ship, um, and, and, and uh, people party in my stateroom. Yes, we're, we're going here, um, and then the second round of bingo that they did on the last sea day, same thing on the coverall. Instead of you know a couple hundred dollar prize, you actually won a free cruise. So free seven night cruise for two people to come back and sail again. So those were some pretty, I would say, epic prizes um, just to go and play bingo, which was, you know, that I, I think I think it got a lot of people to actually come and play bingo um, on this cruise. Well, Chris, I got to ask about the go-karts. Did you do the go-karts? Because it looks like the Bliss has go-karts on board. Yeah, so so up on the pool deck, um, they have go-karts. They also have a laser tag and they have five holes of mini golf. I did not do the go-karts. Just decided it was actually really fun to just watch people race around the track. I just didn't really feel like spending the money to go and do that. Um, for our sailing, it was $15 to to do one course or if you wanted to and you could grab on the very first day one of the unlimited passes it was 139 dollars uh for the length of the cruise super it looked super fun um i just didn't end up doing it on 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 my particular i'm just curious, was it noisy like i think about go-karts and i think about the noise of those engines like at the uh tomorrowland speedway or something <laughs> like that and yeah and and you know what 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 is it like having something like that on board it also seems awkward because it's taking up what i would imagine is a fairly big space for 
pretty dedicated purpose. It, it does take up a decent amount of space towards the back of the ship. It's, it's right by the back funnel. It is a, a two-level racetrack, so you start on the bottom level, you race up a ramp, and then you race kind of uh, zigzagging on the top and then back down. So it does take up a decent amount of kind of deck space and pool space, which, which certainly could be used for other things, which we can talk about the pool experience uh, in a little bit. But it was not loud at all. I believe they're all electric go-karts. So you didn't get the smell of gasoline like you do on Autopia. You didn't get the, the loud rumbling noise. The engines, they were very smooth, very sleek, um, and, and just, a, just a lot of fun. Sure. Yeah. Go-kart sponsored by Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you mentioned the pool deck. So uh, it sounds like you have some thoughts there. <laughs> so what was the pool deck experience like for you? I do. So the pool deck is, is sort of spread on, there's sort of two main decks of the pool, and then there's sort of ancillary areas as well. They actually have lounge space on decks 16, 17, 18, and 19. So th- I mean, this is how big this ship is. There are four levels of such. It's actually 20. Uh, the 20th deck has just the laser tag on the top of the ship. So, I mean, if you technically want to count deck 20 as, as uh, a deck, they, uh, they certainly do on, on their deck plans. So th- the pool area, I think, was probably maybe the slight disappointment of, of this particular cruise ship. So this ship, um, as you talked about, and you're going on this ship uh, in a year uh, to Alaska, this ship was specifically designed for Alaska. Um, It has the amazing observation lounge um, up at the front of the ship. But on deck, it definitely has less sort of pools than maybe you typically would find on a Disney cruise ship. There were two main pools sort of right next to each other on the main pool deck. There was a kid's water play area, which had kind of all the, the fountains and spouts um, kind of a, a small little rope climbing area and then and then a small slide that kids could go down. And then there were sort of seven hot tubs scattered throughout the, the pool deck, mostly pushed to the edge of the ship. So kind of cool to be able to sit in the hot tub and, and look off into the ocean from there. They had two water slides. They had a, a one called the Ocean Loop, which is very similar to the Aqua Dunk on the Disney Magic, where you stand in the tube, the floor drops uh, out from under you and you go flying down. Um, it's, it's actually pretty famous. If you watch YouTube videos, there's a lot of people who get stuck because they don't make it around both of the loops in the, in the water slide. So the, the, the people actually have to go down and open a compartment and the person has to climb out. Um, I did see that happen uh, a couple times. Um, I'm, yes. I'm not going on that slide. <laughs> it was super <laughs> I don't fun. Get stuck. It, it's, uh, you have to be a certain weight limit. Obviously, you can't be uh, too small because then you won't make it through the loops and you certainly can't be too big because you also then wouldn't make it through um, as well. Um, I did it once. I had a blast. It was super fun. I was a little dizzy after I, I got off because you're doing all these twists and turns, but uh, super fun. And then they have a second one called the Aqua Racer, which is uh, sort of your kind of tube water slide. Uh, you sit in a tube, either one or two people, um, and you kind of zigzag through a little course. There's all these LED lighting and, and a lighting show inside the tube. So that was super fun. I, I, I lost count of how many times I did that. What was great about obviously the sailing with not a lot of people on the ship was there were no lines for any of these experiences. So you pretty much could just walk right on all of the water slides uh, and get into a hot tub or get into the pool anytime you wanted without there being a crowd. The pools were fairly small. They were actually 
actually a little bit deeper than I would have liked. I think they were like five, five or five, six. So unless you're a little bit taller, um, it's kind of hard to, you know, on on the the Disney Wonder in, in their particular adult pool, I think it's only maybe four and a half or five feet. So it's very easy to just sort of stand in the middle of the pool, have your head above water and be enjoying um, kind of the day out out there. And these pools, because they're so much deeper, unless you're really tall, you kind of have to kind of cling on to the side of it, which just there, you know, I noticed there were fewer people in the pool just because of the depth of it. But those were the only two pools um, available to sort of, you know, guests on the ship. If you weren't in the Haven, they obviously had their own separate pool for Haven suite guests, but those were the only two pools. So I could see if, you know, if, if this ship was near capacity, 4,000 people plus, I mean, it, it could get very, very, very crowded out on that pool deck. Yeah. Like what we like to call kid soup. Yes. Kid soup, just people everywhere. Uh, they do have uh, an area called Spice H2O, which is an adults only area during the day. It's at the aft of the ship. There's not a pool back there, but there's sort of like a water cool-off area with sort of rain showers and, and spigots of water kind of falling down on you. There are two hot tubs, uh, but I, I felt that area, I mean, if it had a pool back there, sort of one of those Wakeview pools that kind of sort of infinity edge looks off, that would have sort of made it the perfect space to hang out at. Instead, in in sort of in between the two hot tubs where you probably could have put a pool, there's a stage there because typically at night, they activate this space as sort of a nightclub area. So there was sort of a stage with lighting and whatnot there. So, you know, that was probably my biggest disappointment was just like, you know, it was fine because there were so few people on this ship. But if this ship was really crowded, it really could have been kind of a a difficult um, to, to really enjoy, you know, a nice day, especially if you're in the Caribbean or down in the Mexican Riviera, it could have been tough to enjoy it. I also thought the towel distribution definitely different than Disney. And and I don't know if it's like this on other cruise lines, but there was one main towel distribution point on deck 16. So if you were sort of in another part of the deck, and you needed a towel, you had to go to this one specific place to pick up a towel. There wasn't one waiting on your chair. There weren't other, you know, sort of bins or, or, or boxes, kind of cubbies like Disney Cruise Line has got a, kind of scattered throughout the deck to be able to just grab a couple towels real quickly. You actually, I had gone up to deck 19, this kind of secluded sun deck area to, to chill and hang out up there thinking that, yeah, they'll have towels up there, got up there and asked them, I'm like, do you guys have towels? And they're like, no, you have to go all the way back down to deck 16 to grab those. So I think just from a sort of operation standpoint, they they certainly could have maybe installed some type of, you know, towel distribution points elsewhere on the ship. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing sponsors over at Touring Plans. We use Touring Plans Travel to book our own Disney vacations and just love, love, love our Touring Plans Travel Specialist. She waits on hold when we don't have time. She monitors cruise deals for us and rebooks to get us lower rates on some of the cruise lines that actually where the prices actually do go down, like Disney Cruise Line. Uh, So she does watch those rates for us and rebook. She steers us toward cruises we would like and room categories and gives us suggestions. And so while we have our preferences, she's always there and available to help us out. And when we plan a parks vacation, it's just gotten so complicated of late. 
with all the new genie technology and everything. Like I, I need to rely on someone who really understands what's going on. And she absolutely helps us there as well. So we love the folks over at Touring Plans. What we love most is that the philosophy of Touring Plans aligns with the philosophy of our own podcast. We're not out to sell you a Disney vacation. We're not travel agents ourselves. And so we just like to give our honest opinions and reviews. And I think you'll find the folks over at Touring Plans will also give you their honest opinions and reviews of different sailings and ships uh, and steer you toward the thing that they think is the best for your family. So remember, you don't pay anything extra to use a travel agent, especially when booking Disney vacations. Disney pays the travel agent at the time you travel. You're leaving money on the table. If you don't use a travel agent, you're certainly leaving expertise on the table if you don't. So we highly recommend the folks over at Touring Plans. Head over there, check them out, touringplans.com slash travel. Let them know the DCL Duo sent you to help support the show. And with that, back to our episode. I wanted to kind of follow up on the issue of activities. I know you and Brian were chatting a little bit about go-karts and and some of the other things on board, but I'm curious to know for activities specifically, what, if anything, was an add-on versus being included in your cruise fare? Yeah, so so the go-karts were an additional cost. They were $15 per ride or $139 if you got one of the unlimited passes. Laser tag was also an additional cost. I believe it was uh, $10. And uh, that was pretty much it. I mean, obviously, if you're going to play bingo um, or bingo, they did a deal or no deal show. You can certainly watch all of these shows, but if you want to participate and have a chance to win something, you know, obviously you're paying to do that. Yeah, any type of gambling. One of the painting classes um, that they did did require, I think it was $10 to, to join the painting class for, for the hour because they provided you all the materials and the nice sort of uh, artwork to, to, to work with. That was really it in terms of you know spending extra money on the ship to do an activity. Everything else, the entertainment, the you know the main theater shows, everything else was included with with the price. I'm curious, Chris. There was a one pool deck area that caught my attention as I was looking through here. It was like a private area for adults only that looked out over the ocean. Did you? Did you happen by an area like that? Yeah, so it's called Vibe Beach Club. Um, it's up on Deck uh, 19. So Deck 19, it uh, there's sort of three spaces up there. You're walking um, sort of up three flights of stairs if you're on Deck 16, the main pool deck, uh, to get up to that space. It's, it's also the same space that you would walk up to to get to Laser Tag. But Deck 19 has the Haven uh, Sun Deck on the front of the ship. And then right behind it on either side, on one side is sort of an open sort of sun deck uh, for anyone to use. And then on the other side, there is the Vibe Beach Club. On a, I think a, a typical sailing on a on a much kind of full capacity sailing, um, they typically sell sort of a length of cruise pass to uh, the Vibe Beach Club. It varies, I think, greatly by the sailing and and length of cruise that you're on. I uh, ask or inquire how much it would actually cost uh, for that, you know, uh, for for this particular cruise, only because we were at such reduced capacity, there was no issue at all finding deck space at all. One thing that, that that is interesting, so you know, they have a you know, it's a dedicated space. It's adults only. They've got the nice padded sun loungers. They've got umbrellas out there. There is a bar up there that serves uh, deck nineteen for both the public area and the Vibe Beach Club. I could see on a really full sailing Vibe Beach Club could be a great place uh, to go hang out at. They also have their own hot tub up there. They don't have a pool, but just a hot tub. 
On our sailing, just because there were so few people, I actually went up to deck 19 a lot and went on the sort of public side. They actually had the same sun loungers with the nice thick padding up there. There were there's a hot tub on that side of the ship as well. There were no umbrellas, but that you know that was totally fine. Um, and the bar that services the Vibe Beach Club is also connected to the main public sun deck as well. So there was drink service from there, um, and that was included. So you know, very very easy to to be able to use that. Before we dive into food, which everyone's probably anxiously awaiting, I just want to talk about one more aspect, sort of related to activities, which is port stops and shore excursions. Now, did you? It sounds like your package included credit towards shore excursions. So, did you get off the ship in Cabo or Ensenada? You know, do any shore excursions, and what was the experience like and the offering? Yeah, I, I was really looking forward to getting off the ship in both Cabo and Ensenada. I had never been to Cabo before. I've been to Ensenada a couple times on on a couple different cruises. In the package that I booked, it included a fifty dollar excursion credit per port that we stopped in. I booked an excursion uh, in Cabo San Lucas. It was their exclusive resort escape excursion. So basically what it included was a four-hour stay at a oceanfront resort right in Cabo San Lucas and use of their beach and pool, uh, their kind of private beach and pool area. It included a buffet lunch as well as two drinks. So, you know, the, the $50 credit uh, almost offset the cost of that excursion. So it was about a 10-minute drive, a bus ride from uh, where we tendered in at Cabo San Lucas to the resort. And what I didn't realize was, you know, it the, the four-hour resort time actually starts right when you get to the hotel. We literally got there at 1245. And the gentleman said, okay, meet here in the lobby at 4.45 p.m. So we didn't lose any time in terms of leaving the ship, tendering, getting on the bus, driving over. The four hours literally started from the second we you know, stepped foot in the resort. So that's different. That's, that's kind of surprising and different. And when I say that, I mean, because with Disney, they'll tell you like on your app, the excursion is four to four and a half hours, but that's including transportation that's, you know, sort of door to door. That's how long it is, not the time that you're at the, the actual beach or time. Yeah. Like yeah. And, and I was under that assumption too. I was like, gosh, it's kind of a bummer. We're going to probably lose an hour to an hour and a half of time between tendering off the ship and then having to get into a bus and drive over to this location. Um, and it wasn't the case. Um, so that was, that was actually sort of a nice welcome surprise. And we got a lot of time to just hang out at the pool and the beach. The food was fantastic. The drinks were were just as good. And I mean, who who wouldn't want to sit in an infinity pool just overlooking uh, the Cabo San Lucas Harbor and looking at the ship and and just hanging out for the afternoon? It was just a, a wonderful, wonderful time. What about in Ensenada? Yeah, so Ensenada, I've been there a couple times. I didn't really want to do a kind of an ex- excursion sponsored by the cruise ship. So I decided to just go on my own. I, I've been with friends before. There were a couple places that I knew I had to go check out. So instead of walking into port, which it is a, a, a or into town, it is a little bit of a walk from where the cruise ships dock to actually get to the main area where all the shops and restaurants are. In Ensenada, I hopped on one of the buses that meets you right outside of the cruise terminal. Um, and that's a $4 ride right into town. There were a bunch of people that did the same thing. And it drops you off right by that main shopping and dining area. And then I went to Hu Songs, which is 
sort of uh, supposedly the place where the margarita was invented back in the late 1800s, sort of an old Western themed bar. Um, And I got a margarita there. It is one of the freshest, most delicious margaritas you will ever have. So you ever go back to Ensenada, definitely go try a margarita at Husong's. And then I walked along the kind of shops and, and, and restaurant area. I found a glass shop where I bought um, some glassware before. And so I picked up a couple more uh, glasses from uh, that particular shop. And then I stopped for lunch at a place called La Gudorense. So La Gudorense became sort of world renowned and world famous back. I think it was in 2012 when Anthony Bourdain visited there and sort of put this little local kind of taco seafood kind of ceviche street taco cart on the map. Uh, It was in one of his uh, on one of his shows that he visited there. And it has some of the freshest seafood and best tacos you will ever have. And it is dirt cheap. So they have both a taco cart right on the corner of the street. And then they have a small sit down restaurant as well now. So just a, a great afternoon in Ensenada, um, just having having a margarita and some tacos and then and then I walked back to the ship. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's keep this train going and talk about food. Uh so Chris, what was the dining like on board Norwegian? You know, the main dining, let's start there, the main dining room. What was your experience like with uh with main dining? Obviously they don't have rotational dining, I assume, but what was the experience like with main dining? Yeah, they they don't have rotational dining. So on this uh ship on the Bliss, they have three main dining rooms, uh Savor, Taste, and the Manhattan room. Due to our low capacity, they only had two of the spaces uh that were open. Basically, they served breakfast, lunch, and dinner there. Uh in all three of the locations, typically they would have the same exact menu. So there isn't a different menu like on Disney, where if you go to Animator's Palette one night, you know, Tiana's is going to be serving a different menu. All three of the locations had the same menu, just depending on what sort of kind of atmosphere that you wanted to sit in. You know, because of our reduced capacity, and Norwegian has this, um, they do freestyle dining. So basically, you can make reservations for things. But you can also just show up. There are no set dining times like Disney has where you have sort of the the typical first and second seating. This is sort of our our dining rooms are open from, you know, 5 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. And you can just sort of show up and we will seat you at a table. I, I think it has its goods and bads there. It's nice to be super flexible in the time that you want to eat. In, in, on a particular day, some some nights I was more hungry earlier, and other nights I waited till later on in the evening. But you definitely don't get that personalized service like you do on Disney. You know, when you sit down at a restaurant, be it one of the main dining rooms or the specialty restaurants, you know, they they don't necessarily know your name. They don't remember you from the night before. They don't remember that you like the Coke Zero or the IPA beer. They they just they don't remember those things about you. And that that really is, I think, one of the big dif- Disney differentiators in terms of main dining experiences. You get to know your wait staff really well. They get to know you, um, and it feels very real and personalized. Nothing against Norwegian and the the wonderful people that you know served us on this cruise. It just felt less personalized and much more like they were sort of just there to do their job and serve you their food, or you know, you ser- serve you the food and sort of provide that service, but. It wasn't on that sort of personalized level that you get with Disney. Sounds sounds similar to just when you go to a nice restaurant, right? You you might get some, you'll get 
good service and personal attention that day, but you know, you have no, you have no ongoing relationship with that person. So, you know, they, they want to give you good service because that's what they're trained to do, but it's not like you have, it's not like you're a regular and on Disney cruise line, they make you feel like you're a regular. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So I ate, uh, so on, on my five night cruise, I ate two nights, my first night and last night in the main dining room. And then the other three nights, I ate in three of their specialty restaurants on board. What was food? What was the food quality like? The food offering? Did you? Yeah. How was the food? I think the food was good. I wouldn't say it was excellent. I think you know it was. I think it was very comparable to what Disney main dining is. Maybe a slight downgrade. Um, so if I gave like Disney main dining a nine out of 10, this would probably be like maybe a seven and a half or an eight. The the select they had, they definitely had more selection in terms of, you know, appetizers and soups and salads and main entrees. They had sort of, they had a menu that changed every night. And so they made, they had four or five dishes that would change every night. And then they had four or five dishes that you could get every single night. So if you wanted a Caesar salad and a New York steak, that was on the menu every single night. But there could be lobster on one of the nights, or it could be prime rib one of the nights. The desserts kind of did the same thing. They had sort of a menu that was there throughout your entire cruise. And then there was food that changed. It was, the service was great. It just, there there weren't those wow, spectacular kind of, there, I certainly looked on the menu for black truffle persets. I didn't see them, unfortunately. <laughs> as, as as much as I love them um, at Animator's Palette, didn't have those. But it was it was good food, and certainly you know it's included with your your fare. It was it was a, a very good dining experience. Well, let's talk about specialty dining then. So, what offerings do they have on board, and what did you get a chance to experience, and and how did it compare both to main dining on Norwegian, but also with Disney's you know specialty offerings? Yeah, so the Norwegian Bliss has eight specialty restaurants that you can choose for dinner, uh, which is pretty amazing. So yeah, this is where you want to go on that 14-night Panama Canal cruise to be able to eat at every single restaurant, uh, some of them multiple times. So the the restaurants that I didn't eat at, uh, I'll start there. Uh, There was Ocean Blue, the seafood restaurant. There was Los Lobos, a Mexican restaurant. There was a Teppanyaki restaurant. And there was La Cucina, which is their Italian restaurant. And then Food Republic um, is basically kind of Asia meets South America, Mexico, sort of like food stalls. You you order on an app and they're sort of small kind of appetizer sized portions of food. And you sort of make a collection of them to make a meal out of it. So very much tapas style. The the good thing about Food Republic is it is open for lunch as well on sea days. So it was open from 12 to 2 um, on our sea days. So you didn't have to use one of your dining kind of your one of your dinner nights for that. You could actually enjoy it um, at lunch. So the three places that I did eat at, I chose to eat at, I ate at Q Texas Smokehouse, which is their barbecue restaurant. I ate at Cagney's Steakhouse, which is, you know, a very traditional steakhouse. And I ate at Le Bistro, which is their sort of French Parisian uh, restaurant. I think in terms of dining overall, this is really where Norwegian really steps up their game and either meets or exceeds Disney Cruise Line. Uh, from a dining experience. I think the variety of dining and all of the different cuisines that are available in these specialty restaurants is is just 
fantastic. To be able to jump from restaurant to, to restaurant each night is, is really a great experience. They all have different themes. They're in different venues. Um, four of the eight specialty restaurants actually are Deck 8, which uh, they have this area called the Waterfront. And so those restaurants, in addition to having your traditional kind of indoor dining room, they have outdoor dining as well. And so you can sit outdoors, look off into the ocean. They have heaters overhead. So if you're in Alaska and you're enjoying the beautiful Alaskan um, uh, you know, scenery that's out there, they've got heaters overhead and you can enjoy some great seafood or Mexican food out there. And it's, I think that's a really unique dining experience to be able to have just great food, but be able to eat um, al fresco out, you know, outside and just enjoy being out on the ocean. So food-wise, so um, Cagney's Steakhouse, I thought it was excellent. Um, you know, a great steak. I had just wonderful food there. I think the only thing with there, which this can happen, I think, at any restaurant, service was a little bit off that night. A couple of the items that they brought me were actually the wrong items that I had ordered. The The woman had just sort of grabbed the wrong thing. And, and so they certainly took that back. But, you know, once we got past that, I thought the food was fantastic. The smokehouse was really interesting. It was kind of fun to have barbecue food. I mean, the ribs that I have were just kind of juicy, fall off the bone, just absolutely incredible. I think that was the dining venue itself. It was probably the least popular of all the specialty restaurants because when I was eating there at, you know, I think I had a a 6.30 reservation that night. There was a four-piece country Western band playing. And there were only three tables actually dining in this restaurant that could probably hold 150 or 200 people. There were about 10 of us in there having dinner that night. So that was a that was a little awkward, but the food's fantastic. They have this amazing mason jar banana pudding, which if you love uh, banana pudding and Nilla wafers in, you know, all put into this beautiful looking mason jar. It's one of those sort of Instagrammable desserts. It is that was absolutely uh, fantastic. And then Le Bistro. So that really is kind of quintessential contemporary French dining. Um, I wish I had tried uh, Remy to be able to compare what that experience is like to this experience. Certainly the cost of this experience was probably about a fourth or a fifth of the cost of what Remy uh, typically would include. The food uh, was just absolutely amazing uh, from escargot and scallops to lamb chops. Um, It was just, I mean, just a, the service was impeccable. That restaurant in particular really reminded me of of what an experience at Paolo and Remy are like. Very personalized. It's very upscale. The food was sort of even better than sort of the steakhouse and, and, and way better than the smokehouse. What's really cool about that is La Bistro's located on deck 16 up kind of up on the pool deck area towards the back of the ship. And so it had amazing ocean views. There were only sort of five other tables there as well. We were all seated along the windows and just had an incredible, just an absolutely incredible sunset dinner there. So when you, when you, I think if you, if I had to look at Disney Cruise Line and Norwegian Cruise Line, I look at that total dining experience from a restaurant standpoint, Palo dinner, and I say Palo dinner because I've never done Palo brunch before, but Palo is really my favorite kind of dining experience at sea. I would say collectively, Norwegian Cruise Line is slightly ahead of Disney in terms of overall dining experience when you put all of it together. And then from a main dining room standpoint, I would definitely say Disney 
you know, especially with the entertainment that they provide, you know, if you're in Tiana's or Rapunzel's or even some of these smaller character experiences that they now provide in, in some of the restaurants, it, they definitely win on sort of just going to a main dining room and having your experience there. So does pre-buying the dining pass, so to speak, is that, does that mean you walk into the restaurant and you don't pay anything beyond, you know, beverages or are there upcharges for food within the restaurant as well? So for the most part, uh, when you buy one of the dining packages and definitely buy it before you get on ship, because obviously uh, everything on the ship is always going to cost more than if you purchased it in advance on the app or on the website when you're booking your, your cruise and, and planning it. The Really, the only add-ons that you're going to pay for is if you're going to do like surf and turf. If you wanted the lobster with the steak, they're going to usually that was a $10 upcharge with your fillet. So if you wanted those specialty add-ons, the other place at Food Republic that I mentioned, so with your dining package, you each person uh, that's dining gets to choose four uh, different entrees. Um, and so if you want more than four, you'll just pay the a la carte price for those uh, other items that you choose. But if you're, you know, if like if when I was in Le Bistro, um, I had originally just ordered uh, an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert. And then I started to kind of see what other people were getting. And I went back and looked at the menu and I was like, hey, can you, can you bring me this other appetizer? And also this salad looks really good. And do you mind if you bring this other thing? I, I wanted to be able to try all of that. Um, and similar to kind of what Palo Dining used to be where and sort of what main dining is on Disney Cruise Line, it's sort of you can order as much as you want on the particular menu and they will bring it bring it to you. One question we haven't asked you about and is shows. You know, we've talked about a lot of the activities on, but this is an area I'm always interested in. We know Disney does stage shows fantastically as they have all the Broadway experience they need to do them. How is Norwegian doing in, in that area? Yeah. So from an overall entertainment standpoint, I, th I thought Norwegian was excellent in this area. I think if I look at the individual category, so where they, I think they, they sort of rise above Disney right now is just the variety musical performers that are on the ship that are in the different lounges that are performing all throughout the day from a country band to your kind of rock band to a party band. They had a Latin duo. They had two different pianists, vocalists, people who were performing. I mean, anywhere you went on the ship, it was the different bars and lounges were activated with musical performers, which was absolutely fantastic. They also have something really unique, I think, to the cruise industry. Uh, they have a place called the Cavern Club, which is uh, you know designed after the Beatles. The Beatles obviously went on tour. I believe it was in Liverpool, where the original Cavern Club was located. And so they have sort of a Beatles cover tribute band. Uh, this one that we saw was from uh, Argentina. And so they played uh, three nights in the Cavern Club. They would play different music from the Beatles, uh, different albums and eras. And then on the last night of the cruise, they did a big finale show in their main kind of in the Bliss Theater, which is their main theater on the ship, which you know holds about a thousand people. The the Beatles experience that they do on this ship and I think a couple other ships is a huge highlight uh, and was a huge highlight for me um, just from an entertainment standpoint. And then in the main theater, so they they have two uh, kind of big stage shows on this ship. They, they do Jersey Boys and they do uh, another musical called Sixth. They Unfortunately, the, 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 that, that musical, which is sort of Henry the, the Eights, all of his wives sort of coming together, I was super excited for it. It looks amazing. 
they unfortunately weren't performing it on our cruise. I don't know if it was due to COVID protocols or if it was just due to having one main stage show on this cruise. So uh, they were only performing Jersey Boys on our cruise. I had seen that on Broadway before. It was good, but I think from the main, you know, and then they had sort of the ventriloquists and they had the vocalists performing on some of those other nights. I, you know, Disney definitely from a main theater stage show aspect, they kind of hands down win in that category. I mean, from, you know, the, the variety musicals that they do to those kind of single kind of show kind of story musicals like Frozen and Tangled. I mean, absolutely blow it out of the water there. So. Uh, but overall, I was, you know, the amount of entertainment activation on the ship throughout the day and evening was absolutely fantastic. Well, Sam, I think we should shift over to our rapid fire round. I've got one more question after rapid fire, but let's throw it over to you to do some rapid fire. Yeah. Okay. So this is a head to head comparison. You only have two choices for answers. Uh, to these questions, <laughs> which is, which is, I'm going to ask you who's doing it better, Disney or Norwegian. Okay. So um, booking process, who's doing it better, Disney or Norwegian? I think it's a tie. I mean, both of their websites in terms of booking cruises, very easy to use. The booking experience, booking all of your activities beforehand, very easy to use. So I, I think from that standpoint, tie. Tech on board. Who has better onboard tech? I know the answer to this question. It will make me sad, but I would have probably have. I've never been on a Norwegian cruise, and I can guess the answer. I mean, hands down, Disney tech. I mean, sorry, um, (laughs) hands down, uh, (laughs) Norwegian Cruise Line. I mean, they have a fantastic app uh, that you use. The technology uh, on board is fantastic. The Wi Fi was excellent. I had 100 minutes of Wi-Fi included on my cruise, never had an issue getting to any websites or social media apps. I actually ran across a group of people from USC who were actually going to school a couple hours a day while they were on the cruise and were using the streaming Wi-Fi to Zoom into their classes. So the technology works absolutely great. All right. Water activities slash pools. Uh, definitely Disney right now. Their their ships, and I, I'm really looking forward to the Wish. I think they're taking their sort of adult area and really going to step it up with uh, that sort of aft area. But just the amount of you know spaces and pools and water activities, all of that to be able to do on on the Disney ships versus this particular Norwegian ship, D- Disney hands down. Okay, overall opinion on shows. Who's doing it better? Disney versus Norwegian. So if I did two categories of this, if I did the main theater shows, Disney, definitely, you know, Frozen on the Wonders, one of my favorite shows. I absolutely love that show. Their their stage shows are fantastic. If I look at overall entertainment um, across the entire ship outside of, you know, just the main theater, I think Norwegian is sort of uh, in the lead there currently, just because just on, on the Wonder Cruise that I went on, back in October, there just wasn't as much available and offered on that particular cruise, I think because of the time that we were in. So, And if you love the Beatles, uh, I studied the Beatles when I was at UCLA. I took a Beatles class. The, the Beatles experience is awesome. Um, and that, that was such a differentiator uh, for this particular cruise. That sounds awesome. All right. Overall activities on board. So this is not including the pool deck stuff, but just all the different game shows and things that there are available to do. 
who's doing it better, Disney or Norwegian? Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you're, I, I think Norwegian, I, I think it's crazy that I'm saying Norwegian on all of these, uh, or most of these. Um, Norwegian is <laughs> okay. slightly better than Disney right now. A Disney on a, on a sort of normal sailing, you know, if you can get on, you know, like I went on a Marvel day at sea cruise right before the shutdown in 2020. I mean, the activities on a typical Disney cruise, and especially if you get on one of these specialty kind of themed cruises, I mean, I think it definitely blows it out of the water from Norwegian. But currently, if you were to go on a cruise in the next month or two, I think Norwegian is doing it um, uh, slightly better than Disney. Okay, service. This is the overall service experience. Um, Who's doing it better? Yeah, Disney, definitely overall service, I think across the ship. I think Norwegian excels in a couple areas. I thought, you know, from a, a room steward standpoint, uh, just as friendly and gracious. Uh, the gentleman knew my name, was always interested in how my day was. That was a great interaction. But when I look across the ship, I look at guest services, I look at the dining venues, and just everyone that I interacted with, you know, throughout the entire cruise. And I think back to all of my Disney cruises that I've been on, and, and you know, not just the the recent one on the Wonder. I think Disney is in that really is what sets them apart. I think from a lot of the industry, they really, you know, kind of go above and beyond kind of what a typical um, a cruise experience is like. But I am really curious to hear once you guys sail in the Haven, what that is like, because is it really that much, uh, you know, do, do they really excel there uh, similar to, to Disney? I say we will be sure to let everyone yes. know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll report back. Okay, th- I know this is going to be a really tough one for you, but I've got to go and ask you food. You know, who who's doing it better? If you need to break it down to categories within food, I'll allow it, but you got to know who's doing it better, Disney or Norway. Yeah, I I will uh, I'll I'll break it down into one small category. I will say best dining experience across both fleets. Disney at Palo is still my favorite dining experience at sea. Incredible service, incredible food. If I look at the complete experience, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, main dining rooms, buffet restaurants, specialty dining, all of that, Norwegian definitely takes the edge there um, currently. I think Disney is close. I think, you know, as their offerings get adjusted, uh, hopefully later this year, as we come out of this pandemic, I think they are going to and probably would take the lead uh, back. But when I look holistically, definitely Norwegian right now. Well, my my last question is kind of the ultimate question I think Brian wants to ask. So I'm going to pass it back to Brian because I, I have a feeling that he and I have the same question burgeoning within us. Well, geez, now I hope so. <laughs> uh, I mean, my question, my question was going to be, would you do it again? Would you sail Norwegian yeah. again? So I mean, my question yeah. was, were, are you a convert now? <laughs> uh, I, so yeah, I would definitely sail Norwegian again. I'm actually looking at another cruise potentially in the, the March, April timeframe, uh, actually on this same ship to just do a longer cruise, potentially a seven night down to the Mexican Riviera. I thought Norwegian was fantastic and would definitely, definitely sail them again. Yes. Nice. Nice. Well, we are excited to follow along on your future travels, Chris. So uh, if you take another Disney cruise or another Norwegian cruise or branch out to another cruise line, definitely definitely reach out. We'd love to have you back uh, to compare and contrast or just discuss the experience. So 
Just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing your experience with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys very much. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Chris all about Norwegian Cruise Line, his experience on board and comparing and contrasting that to Disney Cruise Line. It's one of our favorite kinds of shows to do. So if you're out there sailing another cruise line, you've got experience with Disney, we'd love to hear from you because we love just hearing how Disney compares to other cruise lines out there just to keep things fresh in our minds about the other offerings around, as we like to say. So with that, I do have another five-star review to read on the air this week. This one comes from Bob in Surf, who writes, must listen to DCL podcast. This is my second review and it's simply because of how great the DCL duo is. From the interviews, from the guests invited on, to the broad range of content from all things DCL to other cruise lines as well. Of the handful of podcasts I follow, the DCL dynamic duo kills it every time. This content is the one I look forward to most. Thanks again for all that you do and the time you take to bring such great information our way. Well, thank you, Bob and Sir, for leaving that review. We really just appreciate the feedback from our listeners and from you. So thanks for that. And we love doing these shows, as I said, comparing and contrasting and bringing you information from other cruise lines. So with that, I do just want to thank everyone out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. You can also head over to our website at dclduo.com to learn even more about us, connect with us, read our blog, find all of our vlog content and podcast. You can also head over to youtube.com slash dclduo for even more great content. Or you can head over to Facebook and join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group to join a like-minded conversation with some DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or send us a question, email us at dclduo at gmail.com. You can also help support the show by browsing to patreon.com slash DCL duo and choosing from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for helping to support this show. As always, you can also browse to touringplans.com slash DCL duo and let them know the DCL duo sent you to help support the show. The DCL duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney company or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of Disney Cruise Line or the Disney company. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Bye.